Hello everyone and welcome back to A Pint With Peter, an informative and somewhat comedy podcast where I sit down with my dad and have a bit of a chat as we try to bridge the intergenerational gap. This week on the podcast, my dad continues his chat on the subject of music, using it as a way to help give me and Chris a better understanding of the time and me and Chris comparing it to our music experiences growing up. Well everyone, let's get back to it. So the, the second thing I really want to get into here, and uh, we've touched on it before, but I want to kind of tease it out, is, um, you know, without coming over in a, in a kind of misery memoir mode, you know, oh my God, my, my childhood was so awful, I had to cling on to something, and and it was music, you know, my, as my father was beating me, you know, I had my Rolling Stones LP on in the background, you know, giving me solace, it, it wasn't at all like that, but even though... I guess, uh, in relative terms, I am well-educated and I've always, as you know, had a great interest in, in the arts in general. For me, what really, without sounding like a sued, touched my soul would be music. Music was my first love, yeah. You see, I, I think when when you're in your teens, particularly, I mean, we're all males here, so I'm, I'm sorry, girls, if this sounds slightly sexist, um... As a, as a guy, you look at you know, rock and pop stars, I guess, and, and you're dazzled to a certain extent, aren't you? Because what, what they have, or what they seem to have, is they're often sexy, not, not all. I mean, I wouldn't put Gary Glitter in that kind of <laughs> category. You know, they've got fame and they've got riches. And, and, and the crucial thing is, they all seem to come from uh, not a particularly elevated background. So you, you have that kind of taste of stardust and uh, you, you're pop stars. I'm bigging, I'm bigging them up here. I mean, they were larger, they were louder and, and they had, I'm, I'm not speaking person, too personally here. I mean, they had a really transformative way, uh, manner about them, some of them. I mean, they could alter the way people looked, the way people thought and the way people acted, couldn't they? I mean, I, I, you know, I try to do little recommendations when we're doing this podcast. So one of my favourite writers is a guy called Craig Brown. Uh, one of my favourite Craig Brown books is called The Secret uh, Diaries. And what he's amazing at doing is he's amazing at putting himself in, in the position of, uh, you know, some, uh, some important person from the past. It might be a playwright, it, may, it could be a film director, anything. And the book is a series of letters, you know, like there will be letters written from D.H. Lawrence to one of his women friends, blah, blah. But he can do it in a style that sounds as if it's real. Yeah, I recommend it. But, it, but his latest book, which, which has sold a lot, is, is called uh, One, Two, Three, Four. And it's all about the Beatles. I mean, I'm, as you know, I'm not I'm not a massive Beatles fan, but when and he he's got a really amazing uh, way of writing what what's in effect is a biography because he jumps around in time, and uh, it's partly part of his autobiography. You know, he's saying how important the Beatles were to him as a kid, but if you look at the way in which the Beatles came from really nowhere and nothing to the fame they enjoyed absolutely incredible 
and I guess they were amongst the first rock stars, weren't they? Their global reach, I, I don't think, had really been seen before, except maybe, obviously, looking at Elvis, and I, I spoke to you before about um, you know, a couple of American artists, but quite, quite an incredible story. I mean, were you two, you know, t taking to one side your love of film, I mean, were you really attracted to certain pop rock acts when you were a kid? Not overly. Not at a younger age. Did, 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 the, did the kids around you manifest that, do you think? I think, I think in primary school, I think so. I feel like Charlotte influenced me the most. I was like, I was quite into Spice Girls, but I think yeah, it's just yeah, because, yeah. you know, grow, like, yeah, dad, dad knows I grew up with an older sister. All my cousins were were girls. I think it's bad. You see, what, what really interests me uh, in what you're saying is maybe I'm exposing my own... Uh, prejudices here because obviously I came through an era where your scope was much more limited mm. you you had much more to pick from didn't you you see again do, doing a few plugs if, if you really have any interest whatsoever in, in, in this era and indeed in music generally this guy David David Hepworth is absolutely brilliant at, at analysing the and this this one this one I've got here it's called Uncommon People. It, his theory is that uh, the rock star is dead. <laughs> you know the idea of a rock star is obsolete. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll read a sentence from it. The age of a rock star ended with the passing of physical product, i.e. the LP. I could spend a whole podcast just talking about LPs. The rise of the automated percussion, you know, drum machines, etc., yeah. uh, synthesizers. I mean, I'm looking forward to you guys to, to talk about that kind of music, that kind of electronic music. I do like it, actually. One of the best bands I've ever seen, dare I admit, is Human League. Do you remember Human League? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I was literally, yeah, I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even, even if, if you go in my Arctic, I, I, it's true confession, so I've even got a couple of Depeche Mode LPs. You don't know that. No, no, no. So I, I really love oh, them. I, I, I think I told you before, I remember, I remember watching The Human League, and you, you basically, because all the music was pre-programmed, and they used a drum machine, they didn't have a drummer, you basically didn't need the people there. No. Yeah. You could have actually just flicked a few buttons and they could have played, but of course they, they had a, a particularly glamorous lead singer, blah, blah. Who, it all becomes about the performance. Oh, I watched a whole TED talk on stage performance. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. Because even when we went to go, me and Alex saw 1975 before. Did you? And even they had such an incredible... Light stage, show. Yeah, yeah stage yeah, thing yeah, going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah he, he goes on to say the domination of the of choreography you know how, how that's really really important and, and above all the mystique destroying internet i was just gonna say coming from the 90s i feel like all the songs we knew chris had a dance to them didn't they, they did yeah in the, in the <laughs> 90s they did so it would have been pre-programmed really pre pre-packaged no I, I kind of meant you know like the song you would learn the dance moves oh okay so you know yeah, if it came was... on at the school disco but i know how to do this yeah. you see that you know for my era that would have been 
total anathema. Mm. Because one thing I was going to get onto later is uh, the way in which uh, rock music, okay, if I'm coming over as a wanker, so be it. I mean, some of it was listened to, not in awe, but back then, when you went to watch an act, you you might have shaken your head a little bit or shuffled your feet, but basically you were standing there watching there's no uh, no mosh pit or anything like that, mm. so you, you had that kind of reverential uh, vibe to it. I mean, I mean, I, I'd I'd go so far. I'm not speaking personally here. It, uh, probably in the seventies, rock became almost a religion to some people. You know, it had kind of um, aspects of religiosity. Um, I was, I was reading earlier, because I was going to talk about festivals, I was reading earlier about a guy who um, went to something like Boar's Head Motorway Services. I think it's still there, it's probably got a different name. It's in Staffordshire, yeah, near near Keel, I think. And uh, lo and behold, if it, I mean, the guy's talking about this 40, 50 years later, lo and behold... Jimi Hendrix and uh, the experience were sitting in a corner slurping tea and, <laughs> and eating a bloody bacon sandwich. And um, there's a sentence in it, something like, I went over to Mitch Mitchell, asked if I could have the ketchup. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? And Mitch nonchalantly handed it over. <laughs> you know, it's that kind of, oh my God, I hope he doesn't talk to me or anything. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, that, that kind of fame, that, that um, untouchability vibe. Let's be honest, I think it's strong now. I, th- I think it is as well. Yeah, I'd say it's, so. it's, it's, it's so weird, though. It's like, what are you going to do with that ketchup? Like, what? <laughs> well, yeah, you're probably going to. He probably has it in his cupboard now. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? It has no actual discernible value apart from. Like, it's got possibly a sentimental value to him but he could not sell that on because he has no proof but, but, but now that now that shit get, get, with the religious vibe here that is an icon isn't it, it's like yeah. David Beckham's boots or David Beckham's shin pads I'd say there's more I mean, authenticity to it that with David Beckham's shin pads and boots okay. can, I'd say you can naturally prove where they come from yeah, yeah, who, where yeah, it is yeah. Yeah. Ketchup packet, bottle of ketchup. You could get it from anywhere. It uh, it kind of reminds me of in gigs, you know, where like the guitarist throws the uh, pick into the air, and everyone's like, "Oh my god!" Like punching a pregnant woman in the face to grab it, (laughs) and then when someone grabs it, it's like fending off the attackers. Uh, But can you ever get away from that? I mean, punk was an attempt to get away from that actually wasn't it because the big thing with punk and it's repulsive was actually spitting <laughs> at people. maybe even then people there were tupperware like uh, yeah yeah you know? but the acts hated it you know i've read many many reports of punk artists who really hate it and a lot of them had the common sense to know that it was carrying you know particularly in the covid era yeah carrying all sorts of all sorts <laughs> of, di- of, of diseases isn't it I mean, I'll, I'll nail my colours to the mast. I mean, I mentioned Dylan earlier, and I've never been um, a great fan, particularly of lyrics. 
So I might have listened to Dylan, I might have listened to Leonard Cohen. I think even the Beatles actually have some quite interesting lyrics, don't they? They're quite um, typical of the time. If you take Sgt Pepper's, you know, let's face it, people have uh, you know got themselves doctorates, haven't they, in yeah. studying that Sgt Pepper's album. Um, but I think what's laughable is it when, when you hear, uh, particularly the Beatles, uh, when they were all alive, talking about it, they'd say it was bullshit, wouldn't they? That people are putting... It's like Charlie Manson, uh, that Helter Skelter song, uh, apparently propelled them to go and you know, create a Helter Skelter situation, like an anarchy. I mean, did you guys grow up reading music magazines? You probably didn't, did you? Uh, I guess me and Charlotte would get Kerrang! My brother mm. got the old copy of NME. Yeah, NME was massive. Q? Was that Q? Yeah, it was, yeah, it was Q on. Was that more popular? Rolling Stone? Rolling, well, Rolling Stone was, is American. Yeah, I don't think we know where I'm just thinking of. Yeah, you used to get NME sometimes. You see, what, what you're putting your finger on here, which, if you don't know anything much about this era, pop music, and particularly aspects of rock music, overnight, okay, it's probably a complete load of bollocks, it became respectable as an art form you're with me so yeah. suddenly some of the writers for example for Rolling Stone and even the NME were superb writers and you could suddenly seriously discuss an album uh, track by track and, 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 and it would be quite acceptable I think some of the rock journalism from, from that time was outstanding David Hepworth was one of those. I used to like Julie Burchill and things like that. Have you heard of her? She was a bit more of a punk journalist. Um, I, I loved it. I mean, for me, uh, I'll nail my colours to the mast here. Uh, I think there's a realisation that pop songs could transcend superficiality. They could, I'm waxing lyrical here, they could express <laughs> deeper feelings. Pop songs can even be poetic, uh, and, be, and yeah. pop songs can yeah. come from somewhere deeper and darker and angrier and, and much more complex than stuff you'd seen before, or certainly stuff that my father would have played, you know, Joe Lost Band. And, mm. I'm, I'm sure there's people listening in, though, who, who might say, oh, you should really listen to Sinatra or somebody like that, uh, you know, maybe... But I think, I think generally speaking, pop rock widened out that kind of repertoire. You weren't just talking about having a girlfriend and, uh, you, know, was, you know, the kind of early Beatles stuff. Do you want to hold my hand, etc., uh, etc. Et I mean, I, mean I, I could carry on these podcasts forever, but for me, uh, I, I want to podcast me on, uh, on Talking Heads. I think I think lyric wise talking heads were fantastic and also I can hear the hisses coming from the background. <laughs> yeah. I, I used to be a real fan of Echo and the Bunny Men. Like you hear people like shouting this, out like Wanker, Wanker like this is why I want to do a live show. Yeah. <laughs> we have cheers, booze. I mean you you both used to go and watch gigs, so uh, yeah. who do you think lyrically? touched you i know this is a bit of an embarrassment corner job because obviously things that touch you when you're 17 ain't gonna touch i was gonna you. say like because i was 
don't know about Chris, I was definitely into the emo generation. Yeah. So you'd listen to well, my, my chem, you'd be like, oh yeah, they get me so... And you listen back now like, oh, I was a 17-year-old thinking I was going through the hardest time of my life. Yeah, but for you for you at 17, they knew how to press your buttons. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure probably there's an awful lot of authenticity there. This, this, is, this is the thing. I mean, rock is definitely an edifice, isn't yeah. it? It's, it's a... It's falsehood on lie. You know, it's it's endless, isn't it? You are being conned up to a point. Yeah, I feel like at this stage in my life, it's the songs that are quite motivational in a way. You know, like punch the fuckers in the face. They're telling to you to. Well, it's not very poetic. <laughs> well, I'm not going to try recite lyrics. I'm talking more poetry here. Yeah. So not... <laughs> I I was more so like at that age. I think I was more of a Smith. And indeed, yeah, indeed. <laughs> yeah, I, I was just listening. To, I was just listening to aggressive music. I was, yeah, I was the. Was I, the I think I think the Smiths. I mean, I'm, I'm presuming Morrissey was the main songwriter, wasn't yeah. he? And um, oh, his name's gone from my head. Johnny Marr. That's the one. Johnny Marr is as well. Oh, okay. You, you, I think right. both of them together. Yeah. Quite a lot. Because I, I mean. Yeah, I mean, without going through the Smiths' repertoire, I mean, only yesterday I was walking down the beach uh, and it was drizzling. And I, I, that kind of, uh, what's the song called? Every Day's Like Sunday. Yeah. Every day, yeah, it felt just, you know, he got it. He got it in one, he really did. I used to love, I think for me, Joy Division as well. I could have a whole podcast on Joy Division. I actually saw Joy Division. Um, play in uh, what was called the PSV Club. Just shows where these bands started. The PSV Club. PSV is Public Services Vehicles. It was a club for people who worked on the buses. Interesting. PSV Club, yeah, in, in Hume. Yeah. Because there used to be the old B&Q is next to Old Trafford. That's right, that's right. That used to be a venue as well. That's right, yeah, that's well, right. Before, before that used to be a bowling alley. I didn't know that. Well, you know the big... I know exactly what you mean, the, yeah. You yeah. know how it's got the big tower? Yeah, the yeah. tower, it used to have the bowling alley sign up that tower, and that's oh, why it's got that. Oh, wow, because, I mean, the only band I've seen there was... Uh, Carlos Santana, who's a blast from the past. Have you heard of Santana? Yeah. Long time ago. I mean, I, I think pop, it comes in waves, doesn't it? I mean, you, you, you could sit here and um, how many different pop waves can you mention? I mean, what, what followed the kind of hippie thing was obviously punk. Then you had new romantics, new wave. And so on and so on and so on and so on. But I, I think at the moment, you might not like it, but I think a lot of people would argue, I've just been talking about poetry, I think hip-hop hip -hop, probably yeah. dominates the market, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. I think hip-hop is... is uh, I mean, do you listen to any hip-hop? Uh, a little bit. I quite like NWA. And on Radio 4 yesterday, they were Grandmaster Flash. Yes, they were playing some Grandmaster Flash. Wow, that's, going, that's, that's one of the originators, yeah. isn't it? Wow. I think, I can't remember who is the influence of someone, and they said he played a clip, and I can't remember who it was. Because NWA, I mean, I'm, I'm going to 
again have a whole podcast on clubs. I used to go to uh, the Mothers, but I must talk about earlier, because Andy keeps saying, I can't wait to hear your recollections of the Mothers. But when the Mothers um, era ended, uh, later when I came to Manchester, there was a very similar club called the International. And the International had International 1 and later International 2. And um, I saw many fantastic acts there. But uh, I used to have a colleague who... um, I guess luckily for her, had uh, a Jamaican boyfriend who later became a husband and she, she was telling me, she went to, I think it would be International too, to watch NWA. <laughs> wow. And uh, the mood, the anger, <laughs> I can imagine. the violence, the, uh, it was palpable, absolutely palpable. And, and that illustrates a key point here, doesn't it? Music can generate incredibly powerful emotions. I mean, let's be honest, you ain't going to go to a classical concert at the Halley, no. are you, and come out no. wanting no. To, to rip people <laughs> up? Or, no. you're, or you're not going to come out of a, an Edvard Monk exhibition at the Whitworth and, you know, no. want to cause a riot? That's I, how, I can, that's how bored, bored you are. <laughs> I can understand that possibly NWA... The mute, their music isn't going to create the same reaction in me as say black people or from America or even this country is going to create that same reaction and do appreciate that yeah I mean I mean, punk was very angry wasn't yeah. it but, but I don't know was it artifice I, I think a lot, I think again you've, 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 you've got to get back to this that so much of rock music pop music is is, is curated it's like it's like Bruce Springsteen recently. I mean, I think not personal favorite, but you know, Brit Springsteen is is an incredible artiste in terms of longevity, and again in terms of, of his his poetry, if you want. Uh, but somebody like Bruce Springsteen has created a whole world around him, hasn't he? You know, the, the songs convey. A world, but in, in this article I was reading, uh, I think he'd been fined for a speeding ticket or something like that. And he was obviously having to uh, relate to the judges, you know, what it, what he was like and what his lifestyle was like. And it's it like a bloody banker or something. You know, what I'm saying is the real Bruce Springsteen, it comes as no surprise. No, nothing at all no. like his image. It's like... Uh, I've heard Johnny Rotten talking, and it and he 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 will profess to liking people like Karen Carpenter <laughs> and uh, and the Eagles and stuff like that. Whereas the persona he would have had with the Sex Pistols, you would have been out there smashing up these right, literally smashing them. Up. He, he's he's a bit like landed gentry now, Johnny Rotten. Sure. Because he's, he's yeah. done sort of like adverts. Yeah, that's, like, I, that always mentions it. Cause but, it's like, and I think that is quite what he's like. It's the, the butter advert. Yeah. yeah. Like you remember yeah. as a kid. And I think yeah. he's, apparently he's become, he is quite like that now. Well, that I, I, I was going to mention it earlier. Despite the pretension and the proclivity to want to smash the state and all that, People like me, and I think it's reflected, if Charlotte's listening to this, she'll say, yeah, bloody Brexit is caused by bastards like you. But if you if you go back to me as a 20-year-old, beyond that superficial 
rebellion, if you want, with a very small r, lay a person, small c, with quite conservative values. That's what's interesting. Yeah. You know, values in terms of, I, I really, in my own sweet way, I'm quite patriotic, for example. I'm quite proud of certain aspects of British culture. They're very, very important to me. It could be something as, as obvious as uh, the British, the landscape, for example, or the architecture, <laughs> that kind of stuff, yeah? It, it's just reminding me of a tweet that was circulated where someone was like, how can people not want to live in Britain? And it was an old lady yeah, yeah, sharing yeah, pictures yeah. of Castleton and then you were more yeah. liberal person like, hmm, you know, all listed all the things like government yeah privatizing stuff yeah. <laughs> i think you can you can st- you can still be very sort of like very proud of the country you live in like you say sort of like architectural landscape but also still not like other aspects so you can have sure. you can oh have yeah both you can have both and i think that is possibly what is wrong with i'm gonna say <laughs> the woke far left not to, I don't know. I, I don't want to go too far. I was going to say, I, I always love how Chris... Stop the podcast. Yeah, Stop <laughs> going too far. Left I feel left like Chris always go. talks with like Twitter's over him, like, come on, say it. <laughs> say go, it, voice. Go on. <laughs> go, go on forever, but yeah. I think what you... I, I, I definitely concur. What you're saying here is there's a whole raft of feelings and emotions that yes. no, no doubt exist they're palpable but unfortunately for a variety of reasons you you cannot uh, comfortably expose them is is what it's about isn't it really it's it's not all black and white and i feel like a lot of people as much as they want to believe it is black and white they want to believe it a lot well that that's that again is is the massive problem it's a lack of nuance and a lack of lack of genuine debates i mean Get, we better get back to Let's this. Let's get back to yeah, Jesus. I, mean, right. I, I, I take it to politics. I mean, <laughs> I mean, would you say that good songs live forever? That's my next Ooh. contention. That's that, yeah, question. that's kind yeah. of a hard one. I want, in, in, other, in other words, I mean, I, I've no, there's no doubt in my mind, although I'm not a Beatles fan, I think people will be listening to the Beatles 40, yeah. 50 years from now. Because I was just going to say, like, we just recently watched a documentary on Queen. So it's kind of like their songs will probably go on. But then if you wanted to get full scope, you got like Beethoven and stuff where people would say his music was still. classical, world changing. Yeah. But you I, know. Think, I think that's still his yeah. music still lives on, though. If you look at how so like classical music especially is used in film. Yeah, I feel like this is where I want an even school. younger person on the podcast. To be I, like. I feel like you'll find that classical music, is, people might not know its name or what it is, Yeah, but you'll still find it. I feel like they'll, they'll start stuff. to associate it with film. Is it, it, the Flight of the Valkyries, blah, oh, yeah, yeah. The, the Apocalypse, oh, yeah. The apocalypse yeah. Now. Or? Is, is, that then it comes into the question, is it necessarily a bad thing that people don't know what it is or that they hit or is it kind of more that they're appreciating when they... That's true. It's interesting that certainly one era, one trend that I didn't mention earlier when I was going through the uh, lexicon of musical genres was prog rock. Now, if you, I mean, a, a quite detested form, uh, but 
with prog rock, a lot of the prog rock tunes would have had their origins in classical music. People like the uh, egregious Rick Wakeman, you know, the Rick Wakeman mm. of the Grumpy Old Men uh, fame. I mean, he and, and his ilk, they are very highly trained musicians and they do know this stuff. It's like Procol Harum, A Whiter Shade of Pale. I mean, that's a song that I think will be played 30, 40, 50. You know, you know the song. Even if it's being played at weddings, that kind of stuff. I mean, it, what, what fascinates me, I mentioned streaming a few minutes ago. During lockdown in particular, obviously people have been sitting at home and they've been streaming. And a lot of the streaming has been going through the back catalogue. I've got the figures in front of me. Apparently 50 to 65% of listening of all ages, this is the point, I'm not just talking about oldsters like me, 50, 65% it's Bowie, Queen, yeah. uh, th those kind of songs. And, and I think it's almost um, like a comfort blanket, isn't it, in, in a particular way. I mean, they're archaic, but they're still popular. Yeah. They're still popular. But it's like, with, with Queen, just on the back of that documentary, because of Alex, I'm curious to know if they've had a resurgence because of Adam Lambert taking over, because he would have brought a whole new demographic in. Let's so say you may have not heard it, because he's from American Idol. Oh, OK. Yeah. yeah, so, you know, there could have been some young girls watching American Idol, then he gets picked up by Queen, who are then now going to listen to Queen songs. I never liked Queen. <laughs> See, this, this is this is what really fascinates me because I've read. Um, I feel like we're going to get tweets on that. No, I've, I've, read, I've read textbooks, um, you know, for twelve, thirteen-year-olds, for example, and it'll have, um, you know, people at the time where you know hippies were listening to. Take it from me, guys. Queen with the hippie cognoscenti were never cool or popular. <laughs> And another, another group that is often contained in that same sentence is ABBA. There's no way somebody who was hip or cool or, or streetwise would have listened to ABBA. No, I can't see that, to be honest. But yeah, it. you do watch those documentaries. It's like, oh yeah, everyone was listening back to, to ABBA back then. I wonder what ours will be. I don't know. The cheeky girls. Just, I mean, talking about, talking, yeah, talking about the lingo. I, I sometimes hear the word man being used. That's cool man. Or, yeah. Or be cool bro or something like that. So cool is still current, do you think? Yeah, I'd yeah. say so. Yeah. Yeah. What about uh, calling the police pigs? Yeah, hey, touched upon that. That's, um, that's kind of... Kind of. I think that's more... I'd say, I'd say that still because... More American. I don't know because once again being in the creative thing all the illustrators I know will use a pig when they're doing a piece to you know when the defund the police movement was going is that on. right a lot of pigs appear because I feel like it's just become the general yeah wow Well, everyone, we're going to leave it there for now, and I hope you've enjoyed our continued chat about music. As I always end these podcasts saying, we feel like this is a subject that everyone can engage with, and we would love to hear your thoughts on it. You know, how has music affected your life? Do you have any childhood memories of seeing bands before they were famous? We would love to hear them. 
The best way to get involved is to head over to Twitter and use the handle A Pint With Peter. Or if Twitter isn't your thing, then you can email us using the address apintwithpeter at gmail.com. This episode is also the second edited by yours truly, and I hope I've managed to maintain Chris's high standards. Yeah, I would hate to think that the quality of the podcast has gone down with me at the helm. I will admit you definitely view a podcast in a different light when you're the one editing it. Well, everyone, as always, a big thank you for listening and also a big thank you for your continued support. We all really appreciate it. And I guess on that, on to the next one.